Hi there, welcome to the Sermon MP3 from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. This is July 3rd, 2022. We're into summer, hallelujah. And this Sunday we conclude our series called Welcome to the Table. And this Sunday's message is entitled Reclaiming Disciple Making and Church. And it's also Communion Sunday. God bless you to listen. Throughout the month of June, I've been building up to something, if you will. Especially when, uh, with this summer being upon us now. In the last four weeks, I've been trying to encourage a, just a few habits that when we reclaim them and pursue them, will move any of us closer to a lifestyle of Jesus. Which, if you are a follower of Jesus, really is what all of us want, don't we? We want to be more like Jesus each and every day. Last week, we looked at Jesus' lifestyle. And we saw how our Savior spent most of his ministry time around the tables of a lot of very unlikely people, not very religious people, uh, what the scriptures call uh, unclean or uh, sinful people. And then Jesus told us to do the same thing. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 to 8, we have an extension of what we're supposed to do. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of God has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So here, the cool thing is, is that Jesus makes our Christian walk so simple. He says, as you go, eat, heal, proclaim the kingdom of God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus calls you to claim these, reclaim these as these as-you-go habits as your own. And as with any habit, well, some of them just take a little bit extra special intention on our part in order to build them into our lifestyle, don't they? In his book, Making Habits, Breaking Habits, Why We Do Things, Why We Don't, and How to Make Any Change Stick... Jeremy Dean suggests that it takes much longer to build good habits than we have really assumed. Dean asked 100 participants to participate in a study, and they were asked to choose everyday behaviors that they didn't already have as a habit, but wanted to make a habit in their life. And as you can imagine, because we're very obsessed with body image in our culture, most of them were health-related new habits. The result was, on average, it took 66 days to form an intention into an actual habit. 66 days. However, not all habits were developed equally. Some people determined that they would drink a glass of water after every breakfast until it became a habit. Nicely, that habit formed in about 20 days for those who desired to do that. But those who determined to eat a piece of fruit with lunch every day took about 40 days to form that habit. However, those participants who created an exercise habit proved to be even more challenging. One participant in the study tried to develop a habit of 50 sit-ups after morning coffee. You need that coffee just to get at them, I guess. But that was a habit he wanted to make. And it took him, in fact, he didn't yet created into a habit after 84 days. It wasn't yet a habit for him. Another participant tried to develop a habit of walking for 10 minutes before breakfast. 
And, then, and that was successful only after 50 days. From Dean's research, it seemed that forming a new basic habit, like drinking a glass of water every day, might only take you a few weeks. But if you try to develop a more complex habit, like a strenuous exercise, it can take months of intentional practice. After, all throughout this month, after a month of sermons, I've been trying to encourage us to develop the habit of an as-you-go ministry lifestyle like Jesus had, like he told his disciples to gain. As you go, eat, heal, and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's about reclaiming the Jesus of the Bible who constantly sat around the tables of all kinds of people, especially the lost, it's those who are far from God. It's about being aware of the brokenness around us and the, having compassion like Jesus did and responding to those people with healing. Those were his habits. Those are the habits he told his disciples to form. And those are the habits we can have. And that is, if you want to follow him, simply do what I have been doing, Jesus said. Now, I'm not naive enough to assume that, that this is now the habit of all of us after four sermons. Because what I call you to, actually what Jesus calls you to, is actually way more complex than drinking a glass of water after breakfast and even more challenging than a 50-day sit-up habit. Some of us still haven't accomplished a good, solid, simple habit of meeting with God every morning in the Word, in prayer, and meditation. So to pursue Jesus's as-you-go ministry, well, that's probably going to take a lot more intention, maybe even more than some of us have, unfortunately. But don't let that stop you from trying, because Jesus told us we should pursue it. I was trying to figure out last week as I was looking forward to concluding this series, and I, and I thought of something. Perhaps it's, it's hard, even for the best-intentioned Christian, to develop an as-you-go ministry habit because we're thinking of it solely in terms of a task to be performed and not as, say, an outpouring of, of, of who we are, of our new nature. Here's what I'm thinking. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's pray before we get into God's Word. <clears throat> Lord, I've been a Christian for a number of years now, decades. And I know how much I have desired to develop habits in my life, like reading your Word every day, praying every day, spending time meditating on the Word. Habits like sharing the gospel with my, my friends and my life network. Lord, those kinds of habits. And, I, and I, I desperately want those habits to be well formed in me. And I'm sure all of us have over the years had lots of fits and starts and sometimes it peters out and we give up trying because it just seems so difficult. Lord, You've called us to overcome. You've called us to be overcomers. 
And first and foremost, we are not saved by our habits. We are not saved by our discipline. We are saved by Jesus Christ alone. And so, Lord, as we come into a, a, a passage and into a sermon about creating these habits in our lives, they are only meant to reinforce what already is and to help us gain more fruitfulness, more faithfulness, more fullness in this thing that we call our walk with God. And so, Lord, help us in this word to hear what your Spirit has to say to us, and may we be well-formed through it. Lord, guide us by your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 22 to 20. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Four times, Paul mentions reconciliation in these verses. Reconciliation, reconciling, that kind of thing. Reconciliation means bringing people who are far away from each other or at odds with each other back together into a harmonious working relationship. And when he starts out in verse 18, he's telling, he's talking to the church in Corinth in the past tense. He says, all of this is from God, who reconciled us, that is past tense, to himself through Christ. And as we read this, we must not forget that verse 18 follows directly on from verse 17. Duh, right? But we got to make that conscious switch in our head. But it's part of the same thought. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So like those in the church in Corinth, anyone, even today, who is in Christ, that's sort of a, a metaphor, a word speak for those who have died with Christ and are now alive with Christ. Those who claim Christ as their Savior and Lord, Paul says, are in Christ. And this isn't just a new religious devotion that he's talking about. Being in Christ isn't just a new habit you develop by things like going to church. Being in Christ is an exchange of natures. It's a change of your being, who you are. So look at your life network. We've given out these little cards. If you don't have one, we do have some at the end of the pew here for later if you want to grab one. But this is your life network. And that person there in the middle, surrounded by all those relationships and activities and tasks, that's you. But notice that you are a new creation. You are in Christ. 
Amazingly, that doesn't just change your behavior. That changes who and what you are. More than just your behavior, it changes your nature. Ephesians 2, verses 3 to 5. All of us lived at one time to gratify the cravings of our sinful nature and followed its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were. We were objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Isn't that awesome? Colossians 1, 19-22, For God was pleased to have all his, dwell, his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Again, awesome, right? That was who you were, but now you're different in Christ. What you are now is an altogether new person. Say, I'm new. You are. You are a new person. You have to start seeing yourself like that. And this is not something that you have done for yourself, as the scripture says. This wasn't a habit that you developed. This was the work of Jesus in you. You are new, a new creation in Christ. So turn to the person next to you and say, wow, you look so young. I don't know why, but I heard a lot of feminine voices go, <laughs> See, friends, Jesus satisfied God's requirements for reconciliation so that you could be brought back to God. Isn't that incredible news? Come on. So that you could be brought back to God. But I hope you get that each person must personally receive God's terms of reconciliation. Romans 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, if you haven't done that yet, even if you go to church every Sunday, you're still far from God. Separated from him because of your old sin nature. And the Bible says that you're still an object of God's wrath in that state. But the good news, there's good news to this. The good news is that you can change that about you. Well, actually, God can change that about you in Christ. But you need to welcome it. You need to welcome that change. You need to agree to it by admitting that you need Jesus to change you as your reconciler and savior. Now, God won't force this confession on you. In fact, he will let you continue to live separated from him for all eternity if that's what you want. It's not what he wants. And I hope that it's not what you want. I can't imagine why anyone would want that. But I've been where you are, and I get the roadblocks. I get how difficult a decision that is. 
You know, if you are far from God, then the only thing holding you back, and I know this from personal experience, so does everyone in this room that is in Christ. The only thing holding you back from becoming a new creation in Christ is fear. Fear. Fear of what he'll require of you. And mark my words, he will require something of you. In fact, he'll require everything from you. He will require that you lay down your life for him. But this is a good thing. And what is cool is that when you make this confession, God gives you a brand new nature and you will begin to want what God wants for you. You'll want that change. You'll welcome it. You'll plead for more change every day. Obedience isn't something that that you begrudge as a Christian. It's something you crave. And we call that progression in our lives as followers of Jesus. We call that discipleship. So why don't we pause for a moment in this message and give you a chance to do that if you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Why don't we give us an opportunity to do that? So why don't we all join together, even those who have been reconciled to God, and let us all declare together, Jesus is Lord of my life. And if this is the new confession that you want to make today with your lips, then make it along with the rest of us. Let's say it together. Jesus is Lord of my life. It's as simple as that. And you live it, and you follow him each and every day afterward. And as the scripture instructs us, let's also declare with our mouths that Jesus has been risen from the dead. He is risen. Amen. God's word says that those who confess that are saved and they're reconciled to God. Everyone who confesses that, say thanks be to God. And having become a new person, this is what God expects of you. Two points, two things. Number one, God has ordained you a minister of reconciliation. God has ordained you a minister of reconciliation. See, that's, it's because that's part of your new nature. How does that feel to know that you were ordained? Both you and I are ordained. Now, I had to work a lot harder for it than you did to get that little REV in front of my name. You get it for free. That's a pretty good deal. But we have all been given a new task by God, and it is the ministry of reconciliation. That's our assignment. I love how the New Living Translation gives a bit of punch to it. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. We all have this task. We all know what tasks are like. Our smartphones have all kinds of apps for tasks and to-do lists and calendars. Or maybe you prefer a calendar on the wall kind of a thing. Or maybe you're a sticky note person with sticky notes all over the house. It may seem like a small thing to check off every day. But getting in the habit of completing tasks that we know we have to do are not easy. And some tasks are harder than others. I would say that earthly tasks, like mowing the lawn and doing the banking, may seem more pressing and more urgent and gain more of our attention more quickly than ministry tasks do. For some reason, ministry tasks don't seem so urgent. 
but they are actually more urgent and more important because they have an eternal consequence to them, right? In fact, this ministry of reconciliation that you have been given by God is the task. The task that God has given to you and to the church. Anyone reconciled to God becomes a reconciler. And it's not something we can keep to ourselves. It's something we have to give away. It is more important than anything else that life offers or demands of you. It's more important than our hobbies, more important than our charity, more important than our jobs, more important than any other ambition or dream you could have. Now the reality is, let's be honest, sometimes we we don't feel very motivated to do ministry tasks, especially when we have a laundry list of other tasks, earthly tasks, that we have to do. But the Lord reminds us through the Apostle Paul to look back. Look back at what God has already done for us in Christ. To look back at the very beginning of our text where it says, Christ's love compels us. We look back and we see that God has done everything for us. Sent his son to die in our place. To make sure that salvation is a certainty for each and every one of us through the suffering, the sacrifice, and the death of Christ on the cross. I get that's kind of like your mother laying the guilt trip on you saying, I carried you for nine months and then went through three days of labor just to push you out into, your butt out into this ungrateful world. And the least you could do then is clean your room once a day. I don't know, did your mother sound like that? It just sort of sounded right in my head, I don't know. Our lives are changed, friends. That's a big deal, isn't it? And we have to, we just have to remind ourselves that. And we can't let each other forget that, of what that means for us eternally. We could still be living in darkness, you know. We could be, if it wasn't for the cross. We could be still lost in our sins without the hope of eternal life if it wasn't for the cross of Jesus. We could be living life without knowing the love and the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus if it wasn't for the cross of Christ. We could be back there still. Right? That should never be received as a guilt trip. It's reason to rejoice because that old you is no longer you. It's not you anymore. And that's reason enough to get committed to who you now are in Christ Jesus, your Lord. And we rejoice even further because of what God has given us. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Think of it, folks. He has said, you want to join me? Like you can. You really can join me in helping to reconcile the world to my Father. You can join me in that. I invite you to join me in reconciliation in that ministry. Look at your life network. Fellow minister, there are people there that depend on you showing up every day to serve as a minister of reconciliation. They don't care what bills you have to pay. They don't care what tasks are on that honeydew list on your fridge. They don't care what's in your day timer or on your phone and calendar. What they care about is you showing up as a minister of reconciliation. They may not realize it yet, but they do care. And they will care. 
And that shouldn't feel like a guilt trip to us. That should make us grateful, exhilarated, and as the scripture says, compelled. Because the love of Christ compels us. Amen? Are you getting that? Are, are, are we on the same page? So what does the ministry of reconciliation look like? Number two, God has committed to you the message of reconciliation. What does the ministry look like? Well, he's committed to us a message. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What is the message? Well, we just read it. That God was reconciling the world to himself, verse 19, in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul then explains a little bit more fully in another letter in Colossians 1, 19 to 23. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, there's that overcoming part, right? We talked about earlier. If you continue in your faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant, a minister. Wow, God has given us a remarkable task called the ministry of reconciliation. To go into a broken world with a message of reconciliation. A message to encourage people who are still living far from God to accept Jesus as their way out of brokenness and out of sin and into a new life and kingdom. So what have you been doing with your new life in Christ since you believed? What have you been doing as a minister of reconciliation? Since you believed. What have you been doing with the message of reconciliation that God has committed to you since you believed? See, part of the challenge is that you being a minister of reconciliation, well, that's, that's who you are. It's, kind of, it's part of your new identity in Christ, but it's kind of passive, isn't it? I can still be a minister of Jesus Christ in title, but not practically live that out. But the message of reconciliation, well, that's another thing altogether. That takes intention and discipline on our part to share it. It takes personal investment of time and work and sacrifice. For instance, how many of you filled out and started praying through your My 12 prayer map? that I handed out last week in the bulletin. Folks, Sunday morning is part of our shared discipleship. It's here that we get to worship God together as a people. It's here 
that we get to get on the same page together and be reminded of what's important as the church, as children of God. And when we get, and we get here, this is the place where we get equipped to be better ministers of reconciliation. It doesn't happen naturally. It won't happen as you just attend. It will happen as you commit to our shared pursuit of God and His ministry together. All these habits, all these things are skills that we we learn, habits that we develop, and it's here that we can encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. We can encourage one another in our new identities and in our new work as ministers of Jesus. So when we give an assignment in a sermon, like the My 12 prayer map, which is basically a prayer map of your neighborhood, why wouldn't you fill that out? And why wouldn't you follow through on that for your benefit and for the benefit of your neighbors who are waiting for you to show up as a minister of reconciliation? I know there's a thousand tasks and expectations on you every single day. And quite frankly, you might not feel like you need another one. But the new you needs to be discipled. You need to grow in the habits of Jesus. It's just part of wanting to obey him. But the new you needs to be discipled and disciplined to be able to do it. You need to grow in those habits, and it's not just an option when you have extra time and energy. It's the task of a follower of Jesus. And some people, frankly, are not up for it. I get that. The Bible says that. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are here to cooperate with one another, you with me and I with you, with our Sunday school and our, and our, and our small group leaders as they attempt to teach the Word of God and pass on those great truths of God's Word to us. We're supposed to cooperate with each other in it. And by partnering with the local church to grow in, you, you sort of commit yourself to that pursuit of this new identity and this new task that we have been given, that we've all been given as new creations in Christ. Does that make sense? You being here is important. You taking away what God's Word says is even more important. Think back to the book by Jeremy Dean, Making Habits, Breaking Habits, Why We Do Things, Why We Don't, and How to Make Any Change Stick. He discovered that some habits, like drinking a glass of water before or after a meal, after breakfast, can become a habit within 20 days. But other habits, like 50 sit-ups every morning, while that was still not a habit after 84 days for participants in the experiment. So how long do you think it should take? How much work do you think it will take to make sharing the message of reconciliation a daily habit in your life? Some of that will depend on how long you've lived in the world as the old you before Christ made you a new creation. But you know what? Some of that will also depend on how much time and inactivity has passed since you became a new creation in Christ. 
How much time have you and I lost not working on it becoming a habit in our daily lives? Those two factors will have delayed your progress and your maturity in the faith. See, many new creations fall back into their old habits because they fail to appreciate who they now are. It's not just about the task. It's about owning who we are, owning this new nature, owning our new assignment and our title as ministers of God and the, and, and the gospel. Reconciliation, that's our ministry. That's also our message. And it's up to us to figure out how to make that a part of our daily habits and tasks, how to motivate ourselves as we go in our life network. This is what it says before the new creation part. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us, and because Jesus died for all, those who live, listen to this, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If you are not on task as a minister, then you are not fulfilling why you were made a new creation in Christ. I know these are hard sayings. Brothers and sisters, I'm going away on vacation after this. (laughs) But I leave you in some capable hands. Pastor Bob Ratzliff and uh, others, Paul Enns, Pastor Tyler. But I hope that through our summer, you will own this task and own this assignment as fellow ministers. That's why we've implemented things like the Disciple Makers Training. Because we, we got to train ourselves to be ministers. we got to train ourselves to share the message. It's not the be-all and end-all of courses. It's, it's a starting point. But it's meant to train us in habits that will make this all a reality. We need each other. After, after that, we, we need to learn from each other in small groups how to read and study God's Word, how to pray, and how to teach others to do the same. And it's in those groups that we should strive to make a habit of becoming mature and accountable to one another so that we fulfill what God's Word says. We become doers of it, right? In fact, it's more fun, after all, with other Christians along for the ride who are intent on the same thing. That's what being part of the church is all about, isn't it, brothers and sisters? To be fellow ministers. Can you imagine what church would look like if everyone who attended saw themselves as a new creation in Christ and a minister of reconciliation and who had within their mouths, ready to go, a message of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, all throughout your life network. And you know what? He welcomes us to the table to discover for ourselves the joy of the as-you-go ministry. It's not rocket science. It's just learning to do what Jesus did. As you go, eat, heal, proclaim the kingdom of God. So if you put off doing the My 12 prayer map, there's some on the Welcome Center. If you didn't get one last week, pick one up and just kind of walk it through. Pray it through. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I hope that you will come up after the service when we have our prayer time and you will share with me that you have done that. And I'll rejoice with you and celebrate and give you some next steps. If you haven't been baptized yet, baptism says, I'm committed to this. If you haven't been baptized yet, please get 
baptized. It's not an option for the believer. It's a command. Get in touch with us through the millions of ways that we have. We have a new email address. Uh, We just switched some things over. It's in your bulletin now. So get in contact with us or do the old-fashioned thing. Call us on the phone. We'll be happy to get you ready for baptism. In the fall, we'll be starting the Disciple Makers training again, if you've, even if you've taken it before, but it's not part of, a, of your habit yet, then sign up and we'll get, you, we'll get you trained. And lastly, look for ways to eat with people in your life network. That's the easiest way to be a minister of reconciliation with the people and the relationships that you already have. Engage with them. Be, get to know them. Remember, we've only got a couple months left of summer now. Have your neighbors over. Open up your table to them and open up your life. Let's pray before we go into communion. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for the challenge to overcome, to be overcomers. It's who we are. We are overcomers already. We just need to prove it. So, Lord, I pray you bless your people. I know we often pray that, oh, Lord, bless so-and-so. But I mean it. Bless everyone here today and online with an intention and a motivation. Compel them with a knowledge of what your blessings are over their lives. Help us all, Lord, to develop habits that are in keeping with our salvation and our testimony of faith. I pray you bless my friends, my fellow ministers. And Lord, as we enter into communion, we come around this table together. Lord, we do want to open up our hearts to you in a fresh way, a new way. And as we eat this meal, we're eating it with Jesus saying, Lord, today I commit myself afresh to what this meal is all about. My reconciliation with God. And my being a part of the church, the people of God, fellow ministers who have a world to redeem and reconcile back to you. Thank you that we don't do this on our own strength. Thank you that it comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Work in us, we pray. And God's people said, amen.